Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Care with Angie Fatal. I'm glad you're here. I have a special guest today, my friend. I gotta say it. Father <laughs> James Joyner. Bless you, my child. Thank you. He told me I could call him Father and once he said I didn't have to call him Father, then I absolutely had to call him Father. It's a matter of personal preference. Yes. <laughs> He is an Episcopal priest, and that reminds me, do you have particular pronouns that you prefer? I go by both he, him, and they, them. Thanks for asking. Yes, and I go by she, her, or they. Excellent. Um, so I'm with James. James also has another thing that he does. I'm going to try and get it. Well, I think you're talking about Loretta Good Lord Child. I am talking about Loretta Good Lord Child. <laughs> Loretta, you know, she's just a Southern Belle. She's here to, she's here to have fun and help everybody just have a great time. So Loretta Good Lord Child is, how do you say that? Like a comedy queen. Yeah, drag queen, comedy queen, comedy queen, gender queer queen. Art queen at times. Yeah. Cool. So I have not made it to a performance yet. That has been a goal of mine. Um, so after the show, make sure you listen all the way to the end. And James is going to plug some of Loretta's shows. Let you know where to find her. Yeah. And also we were talking about maybe her doing her own podcast. Oh, yeah. Keep it... More on that later. Yeah, I'll have to re-interview you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was just saying to James before we started that one of the things that I've done in this podcast so far has been interview people on specific topics. Because, you know, when you start a podcast and you're just a normal person, you know, lady about town you have to find people that are willing to do it so in the beginning I had certain topics I had adulting how that is just full of landmines and that's pretty much what I've covered so far mm -hmm. because it ended up being multiple episodes and then just talking about different things but this is the first time where we're just gonna talk about stuff it's free range yes so i think you're gonna go in and out of character which will make i mean me i'm always in and out of character you know loretta i mean the thing is, is like loretta is like deeply a part of me well that that's a good place to start sure tell me more about that um so like it's uh so i've always had the sense well always i've been doing drag for about four years now and I've had the sense that Loretta is just like a, it's a, she's a bigger version of me. She's like a fuller version of me. I think I started doing drag. Um, you know, I had been a priest for about like maybe three or four years at that point. I was just at a point in life in general where I needed to kind of break out of the mold a little bit. And, um, and she kind of came along and helped me do that. So she doesn't, I mean, you know, if she was a character, she'd probably have a better backstory yeah. But she doesn't. She's just like a... She's just big. And the southern part... I'm legitimately from the south. 
My parents live in North Carolina, so, which is, I mean, some might not consider that the South, but I have family in Atlanta, though. I'm a country boy, for sure. I won't go into that song, but it's just just eating away at me right now. It's another podcast. (laughs) I have been known to break into songs, so. Um, So, you've been at St. Michael's. It's an Episcopal church. Yes. For, and for those that, I, I probably won't do this justice, but what how I explain the difference between Episcopal and Anglican, because oh, I didn't uh-huh. know this, and I'm probably going to make quite a few Anglicans upset, but the way, because people come to me all the time because of spiritual direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm looking for a spiritual practice, where should I go to church, which I'm never going to tell anybody where they should go to church, because I'm not currently going to church. Um, but if I do recommend places, it's, you know, here, St. David's, and then there's a smattering of other places that are, I don't even like open and affirming anymore. Yeah. Cause I feel like open and affirming is similar to non-denominational. If I say, cause when I pastored, people would be like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. not a, you don't have a denomination. That's mm-hmm. non-denominational. And I'd be like. The moment I say I'm non-denominational, you think I hate gay people and I'm pro and I'm anti-abortion. Yeah. Which I'm none of those things. I so I kind of feel the same about open and affirming. It's become like a good tag on. Wait, anyway, what do you hate if you're open and affirming? I want it to be yeah, I want it but I want it to be more like not even a part of the whole story. Yeah. I want it to be, but, you know, I want equality. So, anyway, that's a side note. But the difference, as I explain it to people, which might have been wrong, is Episcopals are open and affirming. Mm-hmm. Ordain women. Yeah. Anglicans are not open and affirming. Oh. I'm sure some are. Are you sure? I mean, well, maybe maybe it's just the South African branch. Well, I think in America, so like the Anglican, so the Episcopal denomination is a uh, small bubble inside of the bigger bubble of the Anglican Church. Okay. And the Anglican Church, you know, it's like it's 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 origin land is in England, but through the powers of colonialism, imperialism. Oh, and white supremacy spread to, spread to that. all the earth. <laughs> and now, actually, the global influence of, of that denomination really is in, um, in, in parts of the world outside of England. Yeah. I'll just say that. Yeah. And in America, um, when, you see, when you see an Anglican church in America, usually it's because an Episcopal church got mad at the at the denomination for doing things like ordaining women or mm-hmm. ordaining gay people or changing the prayer book even and then they associated themselves with the Anglican church instead oh okay but I'm so, sure I think some of them are really lovely people yeah I mean I'm not trying to judge but I have a best friend who's <laughs> I have a good friend who's an Anglican okay so that but that is helpful because then I can't do that across the board sure but it's probably always good if you are uh, LGBTQAI. If you're, if you're a queer person and you see an Anglican church in your neighborhood, you probably shouldn't go to it. 
Thank you. That's what I want. Because you don't know. Yeah. And I hate the bait and switch. Also, yeah. oh, so you for know, sure. this is a pro swearing podcast. Fuck yeah. So you don't have to censor yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'd like to know a little bit is, um, because this isn't just a religious podcast. Yeah. And you're more than a religious person. Thankfully. What keeps you, what keeps you in the church? Mm-hmm. How does Loretta play a part? Sure. In your spirituality, yeah. And you are a gay man. I'm like a I'm like a queer. Uh, I'm a queer person. Okay. Yeah. So a queer person. The church has been complicated for queer people. Yeah, for sure. That's just too nice of a way to say the church has been... Shit. <laughs> exactly. For most of the time. So I guess... I, I have people coming to me all the time that have been brutalized by the church. For sure. For who they are. Yeah. Whatever that is. Queer, straight whatever however their beliefs i'm meeting with people all the time in some kind of deconstruction or trauma yeah recovery and still wanting to find a place with their creator so i'd love to hear like how how you stay connected Mm -hmm. what keeps you coming back for sure and you know, it's interesting, that as a theme is interesting to me. Um, recently, I don't know if you followed or heard the kind of kerfuffle around Bethel Church in Northern California. Are you aware? Do you know what I'm... Angie's, you know Angie's rolling her, her eyes like fluttered into the back of her head. Because so. guess when I was a missionary, guess uh-huh. what church I went to and guess who sent me out. Oh, get out, really? Yes. Okay. But this was like... This was before, this was super small, and then when mm-hmm. I came back, after I, oh, I won't go so into my story, sure, after sure. I had been deported, and I didn't have anywhere to go, I came back to Bethel, and it was in yeah. its gold dust um, healing wow. phase. Wow, cool. Uh, so apparently... Is this like, a recent thing? Yeah, this okay. just kind of like showed up, this showed up in my hashtags on Instagram, like in the past month. Where, otherwise, I really would not have known because I am, I am. What I learned actually from this is I'm not super tuned in to like, the broader church, the I'm evangelical church. I'm not either. But apparently, Bethel Church, um, recently reaffirmed or came out, as it were, in favor. <laughs> you like that Bethel Church? They came out in favor of of sort of, um, uh, uh, no. uh the therapy. What no. is that? I can't even, the word isn't even, I want, we can't say it because we're so opposed to it. Yeah, I almost said reparation therapy, that's definitely not (laughs) it, but they could use it, reparative, no, is that it? It is reparative. It's reparative. Something like that, you know what we're talking about, if not, look it up, because it's not a thing. Or don't look it up and don't break out into hives. Anyway, so they came out for the, in favor of that. And it started this really, like, interesting wave of response Mm -hmm. from queer uh, and other LGBT um, evangelical Christians and, like, affirming voices, which I just wasn't tapped into that circle at all. And it was a reminder for me that that 
actually exists in yeah. the world. Because, like, here at St. Michael's, I mean, like, so, like, um... You're in a beautiful Most bubble. of our... You know, it's interesting, because, like, it's... We... it's I wouldn't quite call it a bubble, because, like, you know, like, a third of our congregation is Spanish-speaking and from Central yeah. America and from Mexico. And so there's actually, like, a lot of... Um, sort of like cross-cultural magic happening, Mm -hmm. you know, where you can get into a little sort of like liberal progressive bubble and then all of a sudden you're also like working with and talking with somebody who has a completely different life experience from you. Yes, and you've also, as a community, provided Mm -hmm. a sanctuary. Yes, yeah, we were one of, we were the second sanctuary in church in Portland even before the darkness started. Yeah, and by Um, bubble I'm more met you don't have to apologize for who you are in this community. Right. I've stopped, at times, I've kind of actually stopped thinking about my own sort of queerness in this community because it's kind of a non-issue. Yeah. I don't think that was always the case here. Um, Like, if you go back, say, like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, I mean, like, deep in the history. Um, But, uh, you know, our, our... our head priest Chris is a oh, we lesbian. Love. Yeah, Chris should be on this too at some oh, point. Oh, oh, she's coming. She's on my list. She's I got a seat her yet. at the table, but um, and so it's just a very kind of queer friendly place in the sense that I don't think about it a lot all the yeah. time. Um, but I remember, I remember that I used to. I mean, like when I was getting into this, I remember a point early on in my process for getting ordained I was in North Carolina then and I was the only gay person that I knew in that process and I knew one or two who had gone before me Um, so you knew it was possible yeah I wasn't like the mold breaker for that in North Carolina but it was certainly like um, I didn't think I was going to get a job you know so <laughs> We're making all kinds of noises. And... I I'm a tactile person, and so I like <laughs> I play with books and things when I'm talking. Anyway, if I had a fancy mic, maybe that would right. be okay. <laughs> um. So, but in terms of what keeps me rooted in the church yeah. now, uh, you know, I like I have two answers for that. Good. One of them is Jesus gotta be Jesus. I added myself on here for loving Jesus. <laughs> I just like to me, Jesus is like the queerest weirdest yes. yes, like genderqueer like fucking up the patriarchy mm-hmm. different kinds of masculinity yep. hanging with women uh, asking the hard questions yes. about like the kind of idols we make for ourselves mm-hmm. in religion. Like Jesus keeps me talking to people who aren't like me. Jesus keeps me in relationship yeah. with, like, what's deeper about this world. That's what mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. I think when I talk... I mean, sometimes uh, I think people get the wrong idea when I'm talking about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like to remind myself and others yeah. that he was crazy. Radical. Radical. I'm glad you said that because... Um, I don't ever want to be embarrassed for still being in love with Jesus. It's nuts. And the reason is because just like most things, 
other people have defined him and the church has defined him and most of the time I don't agree with the church. Oh no. The church has been getting it wrong from the very beginning. Yeah. I mean like Jesus' friends, he was constantly telling them like no, no. Yeah. You you you're getting it wrong. Yeah. You're getting it wrong again. It's okay that yeah. you're getting That's it wrong. Rules. It's okay. Yeah. But no. Yeah. And it's like the church doesn't remember that spirit of constantly getting it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Again, that goes, remember that for the adulting. Oh, yeah. We're <laughs> constantly getting it wrong. Yeah. So that was your number one. And my number, <laughs> yeah, my number two reason is, is the people, is the, is the Jesus people who, um, so I mean like the church people, I mean, I mean like Sunday morning community. It's just that like, like, a spe- I mean, just here at St. Michael's, for example, we just have this incredible community of people who they don't always, I think, know why they're here, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think some people do. Uh, some people have a very clear reason. Maybe like forty percent, yeah, and uh, and sixty percent I think find themselves here because they're called into being like in relationship with other people, yes, and because really surprising things happen mm-hmm. when you're in relationship with other people who are willing to be vulnerable, yeah, willing to be, um, you know, to admit their own brokenness, mm-hmm. to do what they can to help out, yeah. Um, I've just constantly seen that. Yeah. become a source of goodness in the yeah. lives of other people. Like, especially when crisis hits. Yeah, yeah. Like, I remember when, as an example, the Orlando shootings happened, mm-hmm. and Chris and I were here, and I found, I found out about it as I was coming into the building on that Sunday morning. And, like, and the first thing Chris and I did was we just, like, got together in her office and, like, grieved together. Mm-hmm. Like, as leaders, so that yeah. we could have that moment. Yeah. And then, like, we went down... I'm gonna, like, cry talking about this. Please do. And then, like, we went down, you know, like, into the congregation to, like, share that with the community. Like, and there was no place that I would rather be yeah. than, like, in a community of people who know what it is to, like, hurt and then and to hope yeah. for something better and to, like, hold each other in the pain yeah. and to, like, love through it. Yeah. That happens in many different ways, thank God. Yeah. I think, like, God does that. Like, God does that in the drag community. Yeah. Without church. But for me, it's like I've always been tapped into that church language. Mm-hmm. It's like a code. Yeah. And, um, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that, like, for generations, people have been touching that source of community mm-hmm. and speaking that poetry and that it has that history to it yeah a deeply problematic history yes yes it does. but don't we all yes we do i like that too because when you said that i thought about when todd's brother died mm-hmm. um i think he died on a it was either a friday or a saturday i feel like it was a saturday and so everybody in our church just expected us to not come. Oh, yeah, wow. And and I was like, what do you want to do? Like, he goes, I want to be in church. I yeah, want to be yeah. with my people, and I want to mm-hmm. sing my guts out. And we got there, and people were shocked, and like, what are you doing here? And he goes, I want to sing with you. Yeah. And we 
screamed our lungs out, cried, and it was rough, but he was, he was, there's something buoyed him in that moment. Yeah. You're not alone. You're not alone. There yeah. are all these people that are like, this is messy. Life is messy. It's shitty. But we're here in the mess with you. Yeah, for sure. And I think that is so beautiful. You know, full disclosure though, I just, so I, I got a sabbatical this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just came back from three weeks ago and I went to church very little during that time. Yeah, well, you're on sabbatical. Just FYI. Yeah. Well, some people go on sabbatical and they like want to visit different churches. No. And I definitely did not do that. Well, I think also when you, it is your job. Well, it's your vocation and your job or whatever. It's complicated and it it can be very healthy to get away from oh, that yeah. job. I mean, sometimes like uh, it's really life-giving for me to go into somebody else's church and just receive that experience yeah. of like sitting there and like somebody else doing all that. Yeah. But during the summer, it was for me, it was more just like remembering like what it was like just being human, yeah. like before being like a priest or being like even Christian, but just mm-hmm. being like a human being, just kind of like living in the world. Yeah. And that was important because I it meant that I could come back to it with a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to take a short break okay. and then I want you to talk about Loretta. Great. Okay. Okay, we are back, and now we're going to bring Loretta into the story. Hi, y'all. <laughs> I could listen to you do that For, accent all day long. That's amazing. Yeah, I I, I think it's probably uh, like nails on chalkboard for some people, but... You know, there's something nice about a genteel southern lady that... There is. You know, that's why they can get away with telling you shit about yourself. yeah. Bless her heart. That's all you have to say. Yeah, and then say Um, the most horrible thing ever. Yeah, Yeah, Loretta. Yeah, so for listeners at home, you just have to... Well, you can either go to my Instagram... Please do. What Lolo Don't Know on IG, and you can put a face to this honeyed voice (laughs) but you know just imagine like bouffant hair and shoulder pads and haven't you worn a bonnet too i used to wear a lot of bonnets yeah yeah i did i did like a little shepherdess on the green (laughs) embodying jesus in more ways than one (laughs) well that's she is she is she's a she is i mean she's she is. She, I used to, I haven't thought about this in a long time, but when you said that, for a while I was tripping on this idea that Jesus and drag queens are very similar mm-hmm. in that they were both, they're both like these lightning rods in communities. Yes. Yes. So like, so like a drag queen, this is my theology of drag queens. A drag queen is like a place, like they make place wherever they go Mm, mm -hmm. like if a drag queen shows up in a room at a party it is a different kind of party and you know what i mean yes the party just got way more interesting it got way you're at a party with a queen now and like and i mean and my my when i say queen i don't mean a particular gender i don't mean i mean like 
an outrageous drag expression, yeah. amped up, um, you know, like persona in Excelsius kind of thing, right? <laughs> and when that comes into a room, especially for, I think, queer people, there's a sense of safety. Mm. Because, like, in the old days, you know, I mean, like, well, drag queens are the ones, well, drag queens, trans women, were the ones who started Stonewall riots. Yeah. Um, but they're Isn't also like yes, trans women. Yes, Marsha P. Johnson, yeah, a black trans woman, uh, may have thrown the first brick. But you have a sense of safety mm-hmm. because all of a sudden, and when I say lightning rod, I mean all of a sudden you're not the queerest person in the room. Yes, and that is that's who Jesus is to me. You know, yes. Like, oh, that's so good. Like wherever Jesus is is i mean he's he you know there's this magnetism crowds mm-hmm. flocking to him and that's the way i think of queens in that protective radical sense of like a queen it lets you be a little more of yourself if you're someone who's yes. maybe shy to bring yeah. that out yeah because all of a sudden there's something there's a presence in the room which is bigger than all that and it can help network it can bring people together it can make things change or happen it can be an instigator mm-hmm. And, um, so there's a lot of, I mean, I started doing drag because I saw another queen in town who I'm so thankful to be friends with now, uh, Pepper Pepper, the Pepper Pepper. And the first time I saw her hosting an event, I realized that she was doing the same job that I do mm-hmm. as a priest. Yeah. I mean, she was, the first time I saw her was hosting uh, a story event that used to happen called Dark Night of the Soul. Um, which was queer people just telling dark shit stories. And what Pepper would do as a host was hold the container. Mm. Like, Pepper would step into the spotlight so that she could give that to other people and let other people step into it. Yes. And I was like, I want to learn how to do that from that perspective. Yeah. Like, that way of doing it. Yeah. Because you don't have to do it that way, but... Right. To me, as a former pastor and... Oh, sure, you could keep the spotlight for yourself. Yeah, that's what would appeal to me, is creating that container to let other people. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm embarrassed, but I went to my first um, drag show only a year ago. Oh, wow, what was it? It was a fundraiser for Planned Parenthood that my friend was... Awesome. She's done, I think she's done it three years now. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, you're exactly right. I mean, we were in the front row, and I didn't know you were supposed to bring dollars. Oh, you gotta bring dollars. Nobody told me. I didn't know. So I had to go to the cash machine. I'm glad you did. I did. But the energy in the room, the energy was already pretty electric because people knew it was a drag show. And it was also a comedy, so there were comedians Mm -hmm. doing bits. There's nothing like it. Like, there is nothing like that energy. It is, it is yeah. unbelievable, so unbelievable. My niece um, is really into drag, and oh, she, cool. I think it was last year, her parents took her to DragCon. Oh, and she nice. had outfits for every day, yeah. and there were many um, drag queens that came up to my, it's my friend Jeff, who oh, I used yeah. to come pastor with, um, that were just like shocked that a dad and brought nice. his daughter. Yeah, like, that's this great. This is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Betty Lou was like, 
boom, boom, I'm here, I'm here. Work. She did the runway. She did like Love that. that was amazing. Drag has a magical power. Yeah. To, um, yeah, to bring out the most. You, I think, for somebody that may be inhibited, it can be a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. But if you are willing to just step into joy, even just like sort of like you're kind of in the shadow and you just put your toe in, you cannot not have fun. Well, it can also be because I'm actually a very introverted person. Mm -hmm. And so I like contained ways of interacting with people. Yeah. I mean, I like preaching because it is a very controlled way of talking in public. Yeah. And I like drag because it gives me a reason for being social or connecting with people. Or it gives me a reason for being, for belonging in a place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think even for like inhibited people, it can kind of like, it can bring out that nice extreme, that that catapult that it takes sometimes to get you out there. Yeah, because I, when anybody like a stranger leans up on me. I just get yeah, so it's embarrassed. Over. But I'm just like, I can't not do it. I gotta just go with it. And it's not about the interaction, it's about you're in my space and I have to like let you in my space. Mm-hmm. But there is something, there is a transformative thing that I feel like happens in that space. Sure, for sure. That I until I saw it, I would not you know, because I think you could see it on TV, but it's not the same thing. It's not the same. The room is electric. Yeah. Um, this may not be a thing, but I'm wondering how how it has, if it has at all, changed the way you interact um, in your priestly role or has... I mean, you were a priest before. Yeah. So I don't think it would. it's changed Loretta, but how has Loretta changed... If, it, if she has, how has she changed you? Yeah, actually, I've had people uh, who, know, who know me in both worlds mm-hmm. um, who have actually, like, remarked on that. Like, how it, they can see, they can sort of, like, see how Loretta comes out in, uh, in my priesting and my church work. Like, they can see a certain way that I'm just comfortable uh, like with my body, with the way that I'm speaking, a certain playfulness. Um, I think it's just kind of put me at ease in general. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's not like, it's funny because St. Michael's is a place where I'm very transparent about who I am. Uh, I think a lot of um, Chris and I, our preaching has to do with being open about our lives and who we are and so it's not like I'm ever hiding anything at St. Michael's, <laughs> but it is, there is a certain like sort of responsibility that I feel like I take on, you know, on any given Sunday morning to just like hold that space for the community. And the first time I like put a wig on my head and like had a microphone in my hand, it was like this like sigh of relief mm. for me because I had the freedom to just say whatever the hell I wanted yeah. to. Yeah. And I think actually that that freedom is part of what has continued in my life, like outside of drag. It's just getting way more comfortable with myself. Yeah, there's a, I don't know if I told you this story, but um, I had a friend 
who had grown up in the Catholic Church. Mm. She was actually a friend of a friend. I didn't know her that well. And she had reached out to me and just said, hey, I'm interested in kind of building a spiritual life again and joining a community. Because my belief, and I want to make that clear here, is you can have a spiritual life, a spiritual practice, without being a Christian, Oh yeah. without religion. You don't need any of that. Community can help mm-hmm. enhance it. It doesn't have to be a Christian community. But for her, she was like at this next step of her spiritual life where she was like, I'm kind of toying. I have, she had really positive memories with the Catholic Church. So for her, it was really important that it be a queer church. Yeah. And so I was like, well, there's a couple of places. Um, I'll, how about I go with you? She hadn't been to church in, I don't know, like 15, mm-hmm. 20 years. So I brought her. Our first choice was, I was like, there's St. Michael's, you know, it's, it'll, it'll have a similar rhythm to a Catholic service. Mm-hmm. And then we can go to this one if you want to. We can keep going and visiting. So I showed up on a Sunday and we were sitting in like the third row which I usually, on the first time at a church, don't recommend it. (laughs) But I think it was kind of like that was where we could sit. And it was the weekend of Pride. So I think it was the day after, and Uh you were preaching. Uh And, um, you know, there were some awkward things, like this person is in recovery, and so there hadn't been an offer of something that wasn't wine, and we didn't oh, know how yeah. to do it. Uh-huh. And, we were, and I just sat back down, and I was like, that's on them if they don't talk about it, mm-hmm. and you're mm-hmm. embarrassed, mm-hmm. don't worry about it. Because yeah. I just I could feel her kind of getting anxious, and then you preached about pride. I don't even remember what you said. We went to... We walked to um, New Seasons afterwards, just kind of a debrief. You know, do you want to go to another one? She fell in love. Oh, wow. She had never been to a church. Even though she knew, I said, you know, my friend Chris is out. Mm-hmm. She's one of the first. She's the first woman yeah. priest. Oh, yeah. My friend Here, James. Yeah. You know, so she knew. But knowing and experiencing are completely different things. Oh, sure. And she experienced you talking from the front about pride, and you shared a little bit of your story. She doesn't live in town, but I think she came a few times with her partner afterwards. Mm -hmm. But that's that that transformative work, it's sort of like drag. Until Mm -hmm. somebody sees it and experiences it, you can tell them, you know, this person is safe, this places safe for you but they've had so many experiences where they've been set up or given like what I I call it like the bait and switch Mm -hmm. you know I'm come that's why it was good that you said not don't maybe don't go to the church in your neighborhood because oh it's like yeah Anglican right because churches are known for a bait and switch Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be kind to you I'm gonna be friendly to you and then you're gonna find out months down the road when you actually want to be a part of community that I don't believe that you should be the way you are don't you kind of feel like I don't know about you I feel like I have a kind of second sense for when I'm getting baited like that yes but I think sometimes with people that have been wounded and oh, are yeah, so for hungry sure. for community. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'll smell it. Yeah. I'll smell a predator if it's just a whiff of predator. Right. <laughs> and oh, I'm for like, sure. on guard. Yeah. 
Yeah. It can make for an uncomfortable time for myself. (laughs) (laughs) So she, she has allowed you in expressing that to, it sounds like to be, you were always being yourself, but now you've, you're being more fully yourself. Yeah. And more comfortable with it too. Yeah. I think that in my, I've always seen my, me being a priest in the church, like the Christian church as like living in this kind of borderland Mm -hmm. between Christian identity and like queer identity. Mm -hmm. Because for me, like my queerness, my queerness has come before Christianity. Mm -hmm. Like when I was 15, I grew up in the Episcopal church when I was 15, these kids in my high school chemistry lab, like, noticed the guy I was dating at the time, like, they was wearing a cross, and they were like, oh, you can't be Christian and gay. Like, you've got to take that off. And that kind of, like, matter-of-fact way that high schoolers have of, like, telling you some shit. Yeah. And, like, um... You're like... And he, and, you know, he argued it for a minute, but then he, he was like, oh, I guess you're right. Oh. And he took it off. And it was, like, I remember I rode the bus home. I was horrified. And I got out my Bible, and I was determined to, like, write him a letter letting him know that God loved him no matter what. And I didn't have the tools to do that Mm -hmm. at 15. Yeah. And so I was like, well, screw this. Like, I'm not going to be, like, I'd rather be gay, honestly. Because, like, I was 15. I was just, like, learning that about myself and that life. And I was like, this is better than anything else. Yeah. So I'm... it, It is who you are. Yeah. You don't and have to be a Christian. Joyful. Yeah. Like, it was a source of joy and expression in my life. And I'm lucky, because, like, not everybody had the uh, privilege of thinking of it that way. Yeah. But, um, for me, and and I'm very involved in the Radical Fairy community. Oh, I didn't Portland. know that. Oh, yeah. I used to have a friend that was part of that, and then they moved away. Yeah. So, like, if you don't know, like... Radical Fairies, it's like a queer subculture. It's been around since the late 70s. Mm-hmm. And it's very much uh, in, rooted in, in queer spiritualities, earth-based spiritualities. Yeah. But, I mean, really all kinds. I mean, there are other queer um, uh, Episcopal priests, Radical Fairies. Like, it's not like there's not room for that. But I do see the gift of queerness as being its own spiritual discipline. Well, that, can you speak to that? Because... I think a lot of people do not understand what queer spirituality is, and I don't think I'll do it justice, even though, I don't say this out loud very often, but I do identify as queer, Yeah, yeah. but but because I'm in a heterosexual relationship as a cis white woman, it's a spectrum, so I'm kind of, I I don't lead with that, Mm -hmm. because I don't really feel like it's fair for me to lead with that, but I love queer spirituality and I won't do it justice. Could you give it a little snippet of that? I think, I mean, I think that for me, and I can only kind of give it my own perspective too, but... But I'm interviewing you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I know, and I love talking about it. Like, for me, it's very much about that kind of, like, outsider perspective. Mm -hmm. Like, you see, like, when you grow up, and for me... My my particular queerness is rooted in uh, growing up as a boy uh, who was more feminine than masculine. Yeah, and um, and seeing and learning very early on that my um, 
my femme side was like a danger to myself. Yeah. And um, in in seeing life from that perspective, and what happens, I think, for a lot of queer people, wherever your kind of outside vantage point is, and there are a lot of those for different queer people, but you see, you see like how made up everything is. Um, like you <laughs> yeah, see the structures, right yeah. like when you're when you're I mean and I've benefited from a lot of those structures mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm white I have uh, I have mostly um, been able to present like as male yeah. you know like I um, I've benefited from a lot of that but I also like had the shit kicked out of me like as a kid and and was bullied for that and it gave me the gift of seeing what's real, you know, Mm -hmm. like what is like, like what, like what does it look like from out here? Like when you can't be so invested in it that like you, Mm -hmm. you can't stay at the center and not everybody, not every queer person like uses that gift the same way. I mean, some people would love to be at the center. Um, you know, some people make a center for themselves elsewhere. Yeah. But I guess for me, the spirituality of it is fundamentally about decentering oneself from, you know the the what the world has made yeah and realizing that there are other ways um better ways i think Mm -hmm. thank you that is actually very helpful to me because i could go into my own stories Uh and see how like if if it is if queer if my queer spirituality is connected to yours which it may or may not be but i did resonate with that i resonated with being an outsider leading with leading with um sensitivity and having that be a liability in my family mm-hmm. you know leading with compassion and then becoming a target for my family mm-hmm. you know and how I've always been attracted to the outsider yeah and that doesn't have to like I like what you're saying Every everybody's is different mm-hmm. but also like when you when you're queer in some way and I always say like it it does have to do with my attraction and my like romantic and relational orientation Mm -hmm. but that even if all that was you know I was straighter than usual (laughs) like I would still be really queer yes I would still be like which to me is like a weird a kind of magic a kind of like uh, for me, it is a kind of like gender um, fucked, gender queer kind of like mm-hmm. disposition. Yeah, and you also typically at some point in that journey like have to come face to face with your desire. Like if your if your desire for other people is ordered anywhere outside of what's socially acceptable, mm-hmm. then you have to like question like what is this part of me? Yeah, and befriending our desires is like one of the great spiritual tasks yes like deciding like what is it that my body is pulling me towards Mm -hmm. and is that good for me yeah um is that you know is that the direction that like i want to take my my soul in you Mm -hmm. know um is it is it an influence from something that might not be in my best interest yeah uh all those questions I mean that's a that's part of queer spirituality to me too yeah yeah that's good because um 
you know, leading with, and this is something that I've been working on, um, loving kindness. I keep talking about Pema Chandran. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's revolutionary. Like, you lean into loving kindness with your body. You lean into loving kindness with your meditation, with your spiritual practice, with who you are as a person. And that is revolutionary. Mm-hmm. Because I typically am coming from a place, I'm not going to get into the Enneagram, but as a two with a one wing where my loud critic is just like, I was walking today, <laughs> I was walking the dogs and I was like, fuck you, critic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> inside, I yeah. wasn't screaming down the block, but inside I was just like, fuck you. Yeah. You know, that's not loving. Yeah. I'm not accomplishing more. I'm not being a better person in the world. I'm not being more... I'm not being a better partner, a better lover, a better mother, a better friend by letting that critic rule. No. In fact, that usually that inner critic is some voice that we've internalized from the broader society yeah. that benefits from us yes. policing ourselves. Yes, absolutely. You know, whether it's because we become more voracious consumers yeah. or whether because we so doubt. Medicating yeah. In whatever way that is. Or whether we doubt our own power in the world. You know, like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's good. It's a good thing to, like, keep ourselves at our best on our toes and everything. Yeah. But if it comes to, like, like, I always say, like, if you wouldn't, if I wouldn't say this to a young child. Yeah. Then I'm, I shouldn't be saying it to myself. Right. Todd is saying that to me all the time. He's like, would you ever say what you're saying right now to your daughter, right. to me, to a client? And I'm like, no, of course not. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think our souls, I mean, for me, the soul is like this, is like that inner child. Mm, yeah. Like, I mean, I often actually feel like, like in the Psalms, there's always that refrain of like, why are you so distressed? Oh, my soul. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I sometimes feel like I'm walking around life with this like petulant toddler inside of me (laughs) who like, she does not, you know, often want to talk to other people or like eat her vegetables, you know? (laughs) And I have to constantly convince this part of myself that like, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to keep you safe. And, and I'm not going to like, scream shit at you yes. like when you forget your keys yes. what toddler can keep track of keys Todd told this story last week where he was teaching this long story short he was like teaching kindergartners how to make a flip book but it was like a two page flip book yeah. cartoon and they're struggling with it and kids flopping their head on the desk and pounding and all of a sudden he goes were you there when your, when your mom was when when you were born? No. And everybody was mad at you for not talking, and they were yelling at you. Why aren't you talking? Why aren't you walking? Stop pooping your pants. <laughs> and they were like, No, no, Mister Todd. And then he was like, You had to learn that. Yeah. You've never done this. Word. You have to learn it. And Amen. I was like, Pocket. Amen. Put that in my pocket. So before we close, I, I, before we close, like I'm doing a sermon. I feel like this is, this is, I don't feel like it. This has been a spiritual practice, a spiritual moment. But I am curious, 
how you self-care or any kind of spiritual practice that you... For me, self-care is always... It shouldn't be a battle. Maybe that's wrong wording. But it's all for me, it's always a struggle. Yeah. Because I'm constantly... As a two, I'm constantly putting the needs of others before the needs of myself. Sure. Um, but, you know, for me, it's getting in the woods and doing archery or like... Yeah, I hear that. But what about, what What for you? I'll do, I'll say two pieces. Okay. One's like practical and one's maybe more like spiritual. Yeah. Because for me, like right now, um, like I'm, I'm living alone for the first time in years. Uh, and I, and this gets back to your original theme of adulting. Mm-hmm. But like I have real struggles with attention and focus. Yeah. And so lately, um, I have a practice of just making everything I need to do for myself concrete, like writing it down on little sticky notes or like, like I even like use little like game pieces sometimes Mm. to keep track of like the things that need to happen for me to live a healthy (laughs) life. (laughs) I mean like practical things around the house. So I just want, I, I have, I'm saying that because like, it's just like a full disclosure. Like it takes a lot of work for me. To just get, like, practical things done. Like, I'm not a task-oriented person. So that's one thing. That's one way I'm taking care of myself right now. That is a good nugget to share. Thank you. Um, Spiritually, and that is... And taking care of my body and my living space is spiritual. Uh, But also silence, for me, is the big thing. Um, And silence, for me, it's like... Silence is, like, I don't mean just, like, I, 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 I try sometimes to sit for, like, you know, spans of 10 or 20 minutes at yeah. a time, but that's usually not how it comes for me. Actually, usually, the silence is, like, just what f- comes after I sing a song to myself, mm. or, like, like, if I'm, like, or, like, I might have a refrain that I'm, like, chanting or saying to myself, yeah. like, whatever it takes. I mean, our tradition in the Episcopal Church, it's full of, like, a lot of these tools, like the daily office and things like that, and I use those, but for me, it's always about what's beneath the words mm-hmm. and what comes after all the words are done. Like, sometimes, like, when I pray the Psalms, which I like singing them, I sing, I sing Psalms every day, so on the outside, like, that would look like my spiritual practice, Yeah. but for me, it's really actually about having anything that lets me just like pour out my soul in a room alone and then once it's all poured out waiting there Mm. when there's nothing else to say like and just so like whatever it takes sometimes that's like journaling writing it all out but like the cherry like the gold nugget is like the silence that comes at the end of that and that it for me often comes after a lot of noise mm-hmm. so it's like silence and noise I love that yeah. I was thinking about when you were talking I hadn't thought about it that way but like on the way here I I have I love the frames I love Glenn Hansard I have a not so secret crush on oh, yeah. Glenn okay. Hansard I'm kind of married to Glenn Hansard I'm going to have to look red haired singer yeah, okay. songwriter Anyway, sorry, Todd. Um, there's just something about his melodies, and that he's not—he's—he's he's more of like a, you know, guitar and I don't know. Anyway, um, 
I know most of the songs, and I have one CD. I'll listen to them on. Yes, I still do Pandora. Sure. I got my I got my things locked in. I'm not gonna switch. I, absolutely. Anyway, I was like a little nervous about interviewing you, not because of you, but I just had no idea what we were gonna talk about, and we hadn't seen each other in a while. And I put in that CD. And I sang at the top of my lungs. Yeah. And I put my hand on my chest. That's like my centering thing is just yeah. to put my hand on my chest. But I hadn't thought about the vacuum after. It's not vacuum isn't the right word because the vacuum, the space that's created is also full. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about that. But often I do that and I never connected to it being a spiritual practice because I'll just be, you know doing something around the house and I'll break into song and I'll sing really loud because I have a very loud voice. But after, it's almost like the letdown. Yeah. Which is like when your body relaxes. Right. For sure. So good. I'm stealing that. Yeah. Do, please. That's so good. The, um, <laughs> the poet R.S. Thomas, I think, talked about silent prayer as um, putting ourselves within listening distance of the silence that is God. Mm, Say that one more time. That silent prayer is putting ourselves within listening distance of the silence that is God. You know that like God (sighs) dwells in this like silent space Mm -hmm. for some people. Yeah. And, um, And just kind of sitting with that for me, I mean, like, I, I'm a real wordy person, and so I'm very aware of when my words fail, and, like, or when my words reach their limit. Yeah. And I think that's where the holy's waiting for me. Yeah. You know? And so... I mean, I practice... One of my practices has been silence and solitude, and I've gotten out of that practice recently and, you know, moved to something else. But I hadn't thought about it after the noise. Oh, yeah. And I want to engage that as a practice after the noise of something. It's like Shavasana. Yeah. It's like after you move your body around in yoga, how blissful lying down on your back is. Uh. You know? And so for me, it's about that. The silence. I know that silence feeds me. And I know that for me to get real good quality silence, I've got to make a lot of noise. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. This has been amazing. This has been so much fun. What a great podcast. I do want to... What do you want to plug? Oh, yeah. Lots of great drag happening. Lots of great church happening. You can find me at St. Michael and All Angels at uh, usually 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning here in Portland, Oregon. Um, And drag shows... Um, I'm often in uh, a show called Hope Glue, which happens on the last Friday of every month at Blackwater Bar on Broadway. It's one of the best shows in town. Okay, what's your, how can people follow you if they want to follow you? What Lolo Don't Know on Instagram is the best way to find. I usually put, if I'm in a show, I put it in my stories. I I can't do Facebook anymore. I'll put, I wish I didn't have to. I'll put, I'll try to remember to put that in the, in the show notes. Sounds good. So that people can find you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I say this every time. If you want to meet with me for archery or spiritual direction, actually James has done my archery workshop. Oh, it's so great. That's amazing. I was thinking about that the other day because I'm going to get all the people that have done it together. Oh, fun. Yeah. 
I can't wait. Just for like, a, does anybody want to shoot? I have all the equipment. So anyway, if you want to do something like that, I'm here for you. Also, if you're a part of um, Smirk, I do a couple workshops throughout the year with Smirk. If you are a part of Smirk, ask them about it because I, I do it and it's it's really fun. It's the mindful archery. Um, and I think that's it. Be kind to yourself and I guess that's it. Be loving. Lean in with loving kindness. Amen. Hallelujah. Word. Hallelujah. Father James. <laughs> <laughs> B-b-b-b-b-side. B-side. You're on the B-side. B-side. Where the funny stuff is found. Yeah. So, Loretta, good Lord child. I'm doing that wrong. Loretta, good. good these will be good outtakes. Loretta, good Lord child. <laughs> Loretta, good Lord child. Good, good is her middle name. Good is her middle name good and Lord is, child. Like she's like Lord child, like a like a fair child, like a like a. It just sounds like Virginia. It's so to me. good, so good. It sounds like designing women. That's what I was going for. I loved that show. Yeah, same. All shoulder pads. All, all shoulder the time. pads all the time. This shirt, you can't see it here, but when I take a photo of James and I, you will be able to see it. I had shoulder pads in this shirt. But a woman with my girth of shoulder <laughs> does not need shoulder pads, so I cut them out promptly. I could actually probably go for some myself. Yeah, I have very broad shoulders. So we could next time I'll just cut them out and give them to you. <laughs> Say, I'm here for him. <laughs>